Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 222 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. And I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features news, interviews, analysis, and information on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Bill Capuzzi, the CEO of Apex Fintech Solutions. Really enjoyed this conversation with Bill. I've known him quite some time. So Bill has been the CEO at Apex for over eight years now. He's also a partner at Peak Six Investments, which is the uh, owners of Apex. And they launched Apex back when they acquired the clearing operations of the old Penson Financial Services. That was in 2012. Time flies, man. Uh, Bill's also an investor at Edison Partners. Now, before Apex, Bill was the CEO of an equity trading outfit called G-Trade. He was also, before that, a director at Pershing. And my favorite position uh, of Bill's back in 1999, Bill was director of alumni records at good old Rutgers University. Are you? Are you? I'm a Rutgers alumni as well. So uh, although Bill is not a Rutgers alum, but he did work there. So it's almost as good. So fantastic, Bill. All right. Before we get started, let's talk about tech stacks. Now, at Ezra Group, we've seen tech stacks of hundreds of RIAs. And let me tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt. So you shouldn't feel too bad about yours. But let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding back your business growth. If you want to free your firm for exponential growth, you should run, not walk, to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or run an RFP and help you implement new software to take your firm to the next level. You can take advantage of our free consultation offer by going to ezragroup.com. A few quick housekeeping items that we always do before the interview. Uh, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Check out investinothers.org. That's the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. They do a lot of good work in our industry, raising money to donate to charities that are uh, either run by or helped by financial advisors. I'm excited to introduce uh, my next guest in the program. It's Bill Capuzzi, the one and only Bill Capuzzi, CEO of Apex Fintech Solutions. Bill, welcome, man. Welcome. Uh, good to see you, Craig. Uh, I'm glad to be on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm glad you're here. You, you are the first podcast recording of 2024. Um, this is going to go live in a, in a, a couple, uh, like a week or two after this, but you are the first. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. Where are you calling in from? Uh, New Jersey, uh, lovely Princeton, New Jersey. And we are so close. I'm in Sayreville, New Jersey. So we should have done this in person. Hop, skip, and a jump. We should have. Well, well, we'll do that next time. Next time, next time we're going to do the in-person meeting. Um, great. So let us proceed with this first podcast of the new year. Give us the thirty-second elevator pitch for Apex. Sure. Uh, so Apex formed a little over a decade ago um, with sort of one main purpose, which is to help every person on the planet invest in the future. Um, and how do we do that? Really, it's by building this platform uh, that we're going to talk about today um, on a B2B basis, purely B2B, in uh, this notion of taking this sort of old custody world and evolving it uh, into sort of the modern sort of technology, modern architecture. Uh, and today we support roughly 250 different firms. There's more than 21 million investors that we help 
that are on our books today. Um, and the focus for us on a go forward basis um, is to continue to do what we have been doing as it relates to FinTech and helping firms like SoFi and Stash and eToro, uh, but now kind of leaning hard into the advisory world, taking what we did for FinTech and applying it to the sort of broader traditional advisory world. So one question I know a lot of people would ask is why are why do cutting edge retail oriented firms always seem to choose Apex as their custodian of choice? What is it about you guys that is different yeah. than all the Look, other custodians? It, I mean, out it's, there? It, you know, I, there's a lot of conversation around this custody function is commoditized, Craig, and the reality mm -hmm. is, it's it it is if you sort of pave the cow path. It's not if you want to sort of drive change, right? If you want to open accounts in seconds, if you want to fund immediately, if you want to send confirms and statements electronically, if you want the entire experience to be real time to the extent possible, while at the same time dotting I's and crossing T's on rules and regulations, and thirdly, having enough capital to actually support that business, right? So this combination of amazing technology following the rules to the T and having the capital base to be able to support sort of a growing uh, client base, that sort of creates that defensible moat around Apex and how, how we support that fintech world today. That's a great um, a phrase. We don't pave the cow paths. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> you already did. <laughs> We well, use that inside of Apex. Right, inside, exactly. You should. The um, One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was some of the news you guys uh, recently came out with. And one of them um, is your alliance with Orion. So can we talk about um, what you're doing with them, why you're, you're working with them? Uh, it'd be either the first ones uh, and how Orion clients are going to see a difference when they're opening accounts on Apex. Yeah, let's start with um, it's it's about the people you work with, and it started with Eric Clark, now Natalie. Um, the DNA of of Orion people and the DNA of the Apex team just gelled early on uh, in our sort of relationship with each other, um, and the ethos of of Orion and the ethos of Apex in terms of what we're trying to accomplish seemed to line up pretty well. Um, and the problem we're trying to solve is how do you make the experience for an advisor more efficient? How do you make it such that you lower the barriers? How do you take the inefficiencies out of what's happening today? And, and you know, for the audience and, and for you, and you know this, Craig, today, um, really different than my experience in the fintech world, in this sort of traditional advisory world, there's this notion of swivel chairing. Right. So the advisor comes on, he wants to open the account, he wants to sort of um, work with a new client. They'll use the Orion platform to create the portfolio, uh, to set them up in the CRM, uh, you know, to sort of make sure that they understand sort of the, you know, the portfolio that they're going to get into. And then there's a swivel chair over into whatever custodian they've chose to actually do the work to get that account open behind the scenes. And the notion of having that swivel chair made no sense to us, right? Um, and it frankly made no sense to the Orion folks. And the problem is that they didn't have a partner and a custodian 
who actually provided real-time APIs, right? And so when we looked at sort of the traditional custodians that were out there, they were pushing, sort of mandating that notion of swivel chair because they wanted people into their platform. It's not the way that the Apex team sort of has grown up. We kind of push on this, okay, leave the front office business to somebody else, really kind of focus on the guts, the plumbing. And so the, the notion was to take those custodial functions via API and plug them directly into the advisor workstation. So instead of that notion of swivel chairing from the Orion platform over to, you know, pick on Pershing to NetX360, stay inside of Orion and make sure that you understand setting up the portfolio, uh, doing all the things that you'd normally do within Orion, but also be able to do the things to open the account in seconds to fund the account, uh, you know, to to support the account on an ongoing basis. The mandating the swivel chair by custodians is something that's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. Now it has gotten better. Uh, you you mentioned Pershing. Um, we don't want to leave out Schwab and Fidelity. They also had that issue for a while where they were mandating, you can start the account opening process in any vendor platform you wanted, whether it's Orion or Tamarack or Black Diamond or Morningstar, but then you had to finish it on their website or with their e-signature. And that's just yeah. the way it worked. Now, both vendors, I've, I've spoken to both, all three of those vendors, and they're all, they're, they are slowly changing. I know Fidelity and Schwab all, you know, uh, are working on, on changing that and they've um, allowed a number of clients to use their own you know, if they have to get after get approved to be able to use their own um, e-signatures and other other technologies to finish the account opening, but still not um, ubiquitous across all accounts or not open that way. So, what is it that uh, about uh, Apex? Maybe this leads us into the next topic, which is the onboarding edge. How yeah. does the onboarding edge technology that you announced facilitate this? Yeah, look, you know, so let's rewind the tape, right? It's, it's you know, 10 years ago, um, we have folks like Robinhood and Betterment, Wealthfront, and they're trying to sort of break into this, this world of investing. And what they needed was on a phone, right? They needed the, the solution to open an account to be as real time as possible, right? To the extent that we follow the rules, we dot the I's across the T's, we make sure KYC and AML are done properly, but why do you have to have paperwork? Why do you have to send an email to somebody's, you know, to email address with a DocuSign for someone to go in to accept it? Um, we spent a lot of time with FINRA making sure that we follow the rules, but it did it in an incredibly efficient way, right? And we measure account opening from start to finish to the extent that Craig fills out the, the account opening and you do it properly and that you're not breaking any rules in terms of KYC or AML, that should happen in five seconds or less. No paperwork, you should get accepted and you should get an account number back. Okay, now you fast forward, you know, Apex is leaning into the advisory world and we looked at, okay, well, why is, why is that not happening in, in this sort of traditional advisor world? Okay, it's complicated, a little bit more complicated because you have an advisor, who's supporting an end customer, uh, you got to make sure that that advisor is doing the right things. Um, but the tenants are exactly the same, right? Which is how do you make the process 
uh, as efficient as possible. And if there's something that breaks, you get a little nerdy here, but if you, as the advisor on behalf of, of an end customer, Craig, you type in the wrong social security number, you should get an immediate response that says, hey, this social security number for this person does not match. Something's wrong here, right? And in our industry, we call that NIGOS, not in good order. But that happens days later. Why doesn't it happen real time? Why does it that response not come back to the screen and say, hey, this is wrong. There's something off here. And this notion of uh, Apex Edge is to take those amazing things we built for the fintech world and apply it to the, to the advisory world and really apply them in three different ways, right? One we talked about with Orion, which is, hey, take our APIs, right? Whether it's the Orion platform, you talked about Morningstar, whether it's Advizon that we're working with, uh, InvestNet, take the APIs and plug them directly into the platform. Okay, that's number one. The second is, okay, you don't have technology resources. Um, you do a number of things yourself. Hey, Apex, give us a front end. Okay, so we've taken those APIs. We packaged them into um, a front office tool, uh, which we'll be talking about at T3 uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. And then the third option of this Apex onboarding edge is via bulk, is to take advantage of the ACATS and get too nerdy on you, but within the bowels of our industry through DTCC, there's something called ACATS, which allows for you to do bulk transfers um, and take that process or on ACATS plus this real-time account opening function that we built and allow for advisors tra to transition an entire book of clients from one custodian to the, to the other, to Apex in this case, uh, instead of it being weeks, months for that to happen, to happen in day, you know hours and days, uh, which obviously cuts down a lot of the back and forth within clients. So that notion of the edge platform really kind of manifests itself in three different ways. Bill, you can't get too nerdy for this podcast. <laughs> this is the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Tech is in our name. Awesome. We love to get nerdy. So can you go another level deeper on that? So how are sure. you leveraging these ACAT rails and differently than other firms are doing it? There's, a, there's other advisor tech transition tools out there. What makes Apex's more robust, more scalable, faster to use? Yeah. So so ACATs have been around a long time and you know it's it's effectively industry's tool to go to take an account from Fidelity and move it to Apex. Mm -hmm. Um but the process, the wrapper on both the receiving and the sending firm is really kind of where the magic happens or not, right? And so ACATs are initiated from the receiving firm. So in this case, an advisor comes on to this platform, they're using Orion and they say, hey, I wanna transition this advisor's accounts from Schwab to Apex. Um, what they'll do is they'll come on, they'll basically put in the account numbers um, and via these real-time APIs that we have, we'll immediately route through the ACAT system, which again is, is owned and operated by DTCC, which I'm a board member of, by the way. Um, it'll basically route those real-time messages through ACAT. They'll end up at Schwab and it'll say, hey, we're transitioning these accounts, these 50 accounts under Craig Ishkowitz, the, the advisor, 
Um, we want to initiate those and move them. Okay. Um, the real-time APIs now are effectively now going to send you as the advisor an update. It's going to say, okay, it's initiated. And the transition process through that ACAT Rails is going to continue to sort of evolve and give updates, which will then pass those updates to you via either the APIs that you plug into your own front end or this platform that Apex is providing, uh, this front office tool. Um, but that initiation today for all the other custodians happens in a batch fashion. With Apex, because we built real-time APIs, we can take advantage of a bunch of things in the ACAT system that's owned by DTCC to speed up that process, one. And then number two is do it in bulk, is take all of your accounts and shoot them across these APIs in one shot and move the entire transition book over electronically. Right, without a lot of you hand-holding each one of the accounts across to pull them across into Apex. It's something everyone has to deal with. There's, there's no well, you know, I, I'll tell you, you know, I talk about this notion of an inchworm in our industry, mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of time, I'm sure you've seen Michael Kitz's placemat. Well, you you work with him on this, right? Think Hello. about that Hello, placemat. Bill. We knock on the window here. Yeah. Mike and I work on that together. Yeah. Like, well, we think about how that thing has called a placemat. It's not a placemat. It's a this is a high-tech map Sorry. of applications in our industry. It's you guys take map. It's not a placemat. Come on. Okay, man. what do you want me to call it? Map? Okay, I'll call it the map. Okay. Map. The map. Okay. Think about how that map has evolved over the course of the last yeah. 10 years. Right? How many more names are on there? Which is amazing, by the way for for our community right there's a lot more choice in all the different buckets that are on on the map the problem is a lot of them are only as good as the weakest link right the back of the inchworm i'll call it which is you know the custodial layer right so without real-time data without real-time apis the information on a lot of those platforms that's on the placemat or on the map um are only as good as the back of the inchworm. Mm -hmm. And I think the push for Apex, again, to sort of take what we did for FinTech and apply it to advisory, there's no reason for walled gardens, right? Our mm -hmm. job is to um, allow for real-time transfer of information mm -hmm. um, and to allow for the, you know, us to support end clients, you know, to the extent that they, you know, the way that they want to be supported. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's all about, right? Is is you know supporting clients how they want to be supported. Yeah, and that's changing over time. My right? clients are or the expectations of clients in how they are supported by their advisor because they're often using some of your other clients' technologies, and they're seeing the world how it could be if yeah. everyone had. Um, I hate using this term, but frictionless frictionless uh, account opening and frictionless uh, trading and other aspects of uh, of wealth management. Well, you think about, I, I don't know if you um, you caught Chip Rome's presentation. I was I always love going to his conferences. Yep, I, I was there. I mean, the most recent one in San Francisco. Yeah, in San Francisco. The keynote was really interesting. You know, one of the things he talked about was, um, one of the slides I found particularly interesting was that 
Uh, 2% of the fee-based financial advisors um, account for 32% of the net flows. Mm-hmm. And that 2% is sort of this, this notion of the hybrid advice slash robo. Like, I think robo is now a, a dirty word, mm-hmm. but this notion of, of those advisors, and we're talking the vanguards, the personal capitals, Edelman financials, that are creating this sort of hybrid advice solution. Um, they're pulling across 32% of the net flows and they account for 2% of those, you know, sort of the total number of advisors that are out there in terms of uh, actual number of advisors. Um, what it tells you is that there's an opportunity for us to continue to lean in and look, you know, I sit in the seat in the custody seat. So of course I'm going to say this, but back to the interim comment, um, I think this hybrid model is the right one is the right is sort of the winner fast forward five years from now. And the way that that hybrid advice is administered in large part has to do with how efficient the custody side works. Right. Which is really kind of where we're focused is how do you take the friction out and make it such that a you're following the rules. Obviously you got to follow the rules dot I's cross T's, but do it in as efficient as a way as possible. Why is that um, the winner? For specifically for the hybrid model, so we've seen the hybrid model succeed. When you're referring to as a digital advice delivery that has a human component, when you mean hybrid, yeah, right. I mean, th- think think about yourself, Greg. Right. So, um, you have times in your life where you need someone to lean in, mm-hmm. right, and help. Right. So I have four kids. I got one that's finishing college soon. I got, you know, a couple more that are coming up. Hey, I need somebody to lean in and help me kind of figure out um, sort of how to get these these four kids through college, right? There's there's sort of an episodic time when I need someone to lean in and help me kind of put a plan together, right? Mm. For the other 11 months of the year, let's just say this past year, it's it's not a set and forget it, but there's a lot less interaction that's required right and what advisors need to do is stop working and spending a bunch of time on the sort of non-value add and lean into those times when people need them Mm -hmm. right and get rid of the friction and so the focus at least you know where apex fits in is how do we lean into this industry and get rid of all the nonsense right Mm -hmm. this nigo rate right 15 percent nigo rate 15 percent of the things we do in this industry are not in good order. 15% of everything we do breaks for some stupid reason. That's an average, I've seen higher. Right, exactly, that's the average. Think of Nigel rate at 20, 25%. Think about all the people in this industry that are doing things that are non-value add. And so I I connect the dots to this hybrid model, which is like, hey, how do you get rid of the stupidness Right. Um, and provide a solution to a client that's probably more on brand for them than what they're getting today and be able to spend more time either acquiring new clients and or supporting those end clients that you have in a much more meaningful way. And that's really what it's all about. <laughs> right? Exactly. At, at the end of the day, if I could throw a couple more cliches in here, at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. I wanted to, before we go, I want to touch on a couple of the things so that the um, 
when we're talking about, um, but before we go, you said you mentioned two percent of RIAs account for thirty-two percent of net flows. Yeah. So we've seen that. Do you think they should, these are the the huge um, national you know, tens of billion dollars RIAs? They're very different. They operate very differently. They're structured very differently than an independent RIA with a single yeah. office, even with you know, a couple, even one advisor, just maybe three or four advisors, even 10 advisors in one office. They work very differently than these national RAs that are probably hoovering up most of that 32%. Yeah. Do you think there should be a different name for those firms that they're not really RIAs? They technically are, but it's a different category of wealth management firm. Probably is, right? I think, and this is, I, I put most of them into that that hybrid model. I'll say this though, Craig, even for those smaller RIAs, right? They look at it and say, well, I only open 10 accounts a year, so who cares? They're like this, your NIGO rate, eh, right? But the reality is, let's go back to the comment I made. Forget about getting rid of the NIGO rate, but how about spending more time with those clients on things that are really value-add? Mm-hmm. And so I look at this and say, this isn't about like, hey, let's let's create more versions of Vanguard and you know the quote unquote robo solution. It's more about, again, sitting in my seat, it's about how do you get rid of the nonsense so that we're leaning harder in to clients that need help, right? Think about how many advisors are listening to this right now have a minimum account size of 500,000 or above. Why? What, what, why do people, why can't you support somebody that has $100,000 in the account, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that. You just have to be much more efficient in the way it is. And oh, by the way, you can make it really profitable as well. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you got to leave all those small accounts to the vanguards, to the, you know, Edelman's, to the personal, you know, capitals. There's an opportunity for the entire industry to lean in and help people, Back to it, I, I started by saying, hey, our purpose is to help every person on the planet invest. For the advisor world, that's us leaning in and saying, hey, there's a way for you to be able to support a client that has $50,000, $100,000 in it and make it work for you financially and be able to take the things you're great at and apply them to those types of clients. My last question is around custodian platforms. So uh, Pershing has NetX360, Fidelity has Wealthscape, um, Schwab had a portfolio center before they sold it to InvestNet. Why doesn't Apex, you mentioned Apex, didn't you didn't build a NetX360. Um, yeah. Well, I want to transition this into your digital APIs. Why did you decide not to do that? And how does that give you an advantage? Yeah. So look, historically, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we didn't uh, historically kind of lean into a platform. Um, uh, and I say that because, like I said, the, the clients that we supported historically, Craig, what they wanted was a real-time API. They demanded real-time. And so had we had a platform, we would have looked like the kid brother of Schwab, mm-hmm. right? And said, okay, well, you know, we, we're going to win our fair share. Um, the fact that we leaned into APIs you know, back in early 2010 uh, you, know, you know, 15 years, almost 15 years ago, um, it forced us to kind of wring out all the stupidness behind the scenes within the, you know, sort of traditional custodian. Um, 
fast forward to today and you know i don't want to give away um we're going to have a big announcement at t3 uh so i'll, I'll leave that to, to the audience to oh, no, uh, you can tease it tell it tell everyone now like we you know <laughs> give a little, give a little I taste can't, I, well, it, it is about sort of an Apex platform. Um, and the reason for it is uh, is that, you know, like I said, many of the advisors that are on this don't have the technology resources like some of these bigger you know, fintech firms, but still want to take advantage of, you know, supporting smaller clients, want to take advantage of lower NIGO rates, want to take advantage of bulk transfers that we talked about um, and need uh, a platform to be able to do so from from Apex. You know, historically, I've heard over and over again, "Hey, we love all that Apex is doing. Uh, what's the platform? Like, give me a demo of the platform." I think Craig, you and I talked about this years ago, uh, and you know, we spent the last two years kind of leaning in on that um, and you know, sort of representing and manifesting our APIs into a platform that that advisors can use. I can't wait to hear all the details. A T3, so everyone, uh, I'll be at T3. Uh, I'll be speaking uh, there again this year. It's uh, January 22nd to the 25th in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan Resort and Casino. You can just Google T3 conferences if you want to find out more. That's a free ad for Joel Bruckenstein and the T3. We love we love T3. Um, and Apex will be at T3, right? There'll be yeah. a booth there. You can find out more information by Apex. So we're out of time, man. Um, where can people find more information about Apex online? Yeah. Uh, you go to our website, uh, www.apexfintechsolutions.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, William Capuzzi. Uh, yeah, people people have questions um, or want more information, please reach out. Bill, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, man. Great to see you, pal. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. In fact, I'm going to give you a bonus. I'm going to, I've got five takeaways here. Uh, Apex now supports over 250 client firms and over 21 million end investors. They're expanding into the advisor's world, advisor world, by applying their fintech approach to improve advisor efficiency and lower barriers. So that's uh, good news for uh, their clients. Now, uh, one thing we talked about was their alliance, uh, uh, recent announcement of an alliance with Orion, that they want to, one of their goals is to eliminate the swivel chair between platforms by integrating Apex's custodial APIs directly into Orion. We love this. I would love to see it. But the jury is out on whether this is working or not uh, in terms of completely eliminating the swivel chair. Uh, we need to see a demo, so that's going to be scheduled so that we'll see exactly how um, Apex clients through Orion are eliminating the swivel chairs at all the swivel chairs, which spe specific ones is just account opening. Other other areas where um, it's it's making life easier for advisors because we know we see the swivel chair all the time. Um, you know, one of our our big projects with with clients is building out integrations uh, and other capabilities, so helping clients eliminate the swivel chair. So if we don't have to build those integrations, that saves our clients some bucks. Number four, uh, Apex's uh, onboarding edge tool uh, offers their account opening APIs via three options, direct integrations, a front end tool, and bulk transitions via ACATS. This will be really helpful for our enterprise RIA and broker deal clients 
who often have large amounts, uh, larger accounts that require bulk ACATs. And it's always a problem. There's, there's always issues with them. A lot of them, sometimes they fail. Sometimes some of the positions don't come over properly. So having access to real-time APIs from the custodian to provide status on these bulk transactions would be incredibly helpful. And five, Apex decided not to build their own front-end platform, but will announce details on a new platform at T3 to meet advisor demand. All right, thanks for listening. You made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroup.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, information updates. Don't be disappointed. Thanks for listening, and talk to you all again next time.